Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboo and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. Today, my podcast is on menopausal women, all stages of menopause. Are you being ghosted by your libido? Today, my guest is Dr. Susanna Mayer, a board certified sexologist with a doctorate in human sexuality. Her work focuses on typical adult lifespan sexuality changes and challenges. In her private practice, she specializes in libido, arousal, and the enhancement of intimacy and joy through creation of a personal eroticism. Dr. Susanna hosts the monthly erotic literary salon, Adult Sex Ed Gatherings, that she founded in 2008. They are a verbal sanctuary for sexual expression and an outlet to normalize sex without shame. The audience is comprised of people with diverse ethnicities, genders, and sexual orientations. Dr. Susanna resides in Philadelphia, where she is known as the go-to person for information pertaining to sexuality. She's a frequent contributor to NPR radio and various podcasts, as well as online and print publications. Today, I'll be talking with Susanna about menopausal women, finding out if they are being ghosted by their libido. Welcome, Susanna. I'm so happy to have you on the show. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely. Let's just start with how do you define libido? Uh, The way I define it and have used it throughout the book that I wrote called Does Sex Have an Expiration Date is sexual energy that is generated by the combination of sex drive and sexual desire. And how I use sex drive is that it's mainly regulated and generated by biology, sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, uh, whereas desire is influenced by psychological and social factors. But then you have sexual arousal, which is really not libido, but it does influence one um, part of libido, and that is sexual desire. And I say this is my definition because I must admit, sexologists and sex therapists haven't really um, agreed upon what libido is. You can read five different texts on it and find five different answers. That's very helpful because I think people get confused. They don't really understand libido when they hear it. Um, And you've explained it so well. Is there an actual test for a low libido? Unfortunately, there is no test for low libido because it's very subjective libido. It's how a woman feels about her body and the signs that it is putting out. However, there are tests for medical issues that can impact how you feel about your libido. And what I mean by that are hormone levels, thyroid problems, diabetes, high cholesterol, liver disorders. um, And those are actual tests that you could get and give you numbers. And those can be impacting your libido. And so can medications that you take. And unfortunately, a lot of medications that women take for what they call depression, and I sometimes refer to as malaise, can create 
um, can create um, sensations that make you feel like you have a low libido. You're not you're not having the fantasies that you usually have, or you're not having certain cues that take you to the next level that say, oh, I would like to have a sexual experience. And there's a catch-22 that gets set up there because quite often you feel depressed or have malaise or you feel bad because you feel like you're not having those fantasies. So you go to your therapist or your, your psychiatrist and they recommend SSRIs or different types of antidepressants and then the problem gets worse. So that's unfortunate, but um, that's what exists. And so I'm so uh, looking forward to the show and you talking about this because we know what to do better, I think, in the sexology field around high libido, but it's low libido that everybody struggles with. Um, and so you you sort of uh, give a good map that a lot of therapists don't have. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, it's hard to tell sometimes where that feeling of low libido comes from. And depending on the book you read, depending on the health professional you consult with, you either, it, they usually sit in two camps. One camp is the medical camp, which says, oh, you have to take hormones or you have to take, you know, antidepressants or just a whole range of medical uh, ways of dealing with the issue. And then you have the other camp that goes totally natural. And that means just, you know, talk therapy, or even there are certain types of natural um, hormones that one can take. And so I like to give women options. I don't like to treat them as if they are dumb individuals, because sometimes I read books, and I feel like, I don't know who they're talking to, but it's very dumbed down. And mm -hmm. I like to empower women by telling them what is available, what is out there. And I offer questionnaires and um, oh, various scenarios within my book that allow women to figure out why they feel the way they do and based on that, they can then go to their healthcare professional and go, listen, I just read this book, and I think X, Y, and Z. Can we look into that? And then decide, you know, if that healthcare professional is giving you suggestions that feel right for you. Because you might go to your therapist and say, listen, my partner is just not really good at satisfying me. I think that's what the problem is. And that person will give you a whole litany of, of trying to figure out why and how to put that together. When there are also other issues involved because you haven't looked at everything. Um, and unfortunately, what I find a lot when a client comes to me and says, oh, my partner is just not satisfying me. Um, he's not understanding my cues. And what I find out is 
a lot of women put the onus totally on their partner when in fact she's in charge of her pleasure. She needs to figure out what pleases her mm-hmm. and not expect her partner to guess. And that, unfortunately, a lot of women just don't understand that if they're not getting sexual pleasure, it's really on them to create the scenario, to figure out what cues and how how to work with their partner. And those are all things... Um, and I refer back to my book only because it's so foremost in my mind. Yeah, I no, spent no. five over five years researching it and talking uh, with my clients. And, you know, I certainly know personally how I feel and what my body is going through. I'm in my early 70s. I've gone through a lot of things, but they're not the same things another woman has gone through. I mean, every woman is so unique. Menopause is not X, Y, Z, other than, you know, um, clearly menopause seriously is is a second, is a day. It's when you stop um, having a period for exactly one year. Everything is perimenopause before that day, or post-menopause. But actual menopause lasts a day. And people don't think of it that way, but that's actually what happens. And unfortunately, approximately as long as 10 years prior to that day of menopause is when perimenopause starts. The problem is women don't know when that day is going to happen. For some women, and I'm giving average numbers here, it can be, you know, in their 40s or it can be in their 50s. Well, you come back to someone who's in their 40s and you're now showing signs of menopause when you're in your 30s. Mm. And most doctors don't even think about menopause being an issue when a woman comes to them saying X, Y, and Z, menopause is not high on that list. Let me ask you a question about, because you've done a really good job helping us understand how women can do and do and talk to themselves and learn about it for themselves, then telling their physicians. Do you talk in the book about how people can talk to their partners about this? Because I, I know that women, and you were saying women, you're giving women a voice and a lot of women don't have a voice, whether they're with a male partner or a female partner, because I've worked with lesbian couples and they both don't know how to have a voice with each other. So how do you help them with that? Well, that is basically the blueprint of my book. It's the book. I initially was going to write two books, one for men and one for women. And the one for men was about women's menopause. Um, And then that just didn't happen because so many men said to me, we'd never read that book. And so many women said, Mm -hmm. my husband would never read that book. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, write a book for women so that they can go through it, mark it up, you know, parts that ring true for them and hand it to their husband. I'm a permission giver. I I give permission verbally. And in this case, I give permission through my book. Mm 
and I tell them exactly how to use it or I give them choices. You can leave the book on your night table and of course your husband might look at it and go, gee, that's interesting. Or you can say, listen, I just read this fabulous book, got great ideas, and it might help me with an issue that I have. And I have to tell you, I mean, this book was really written for women who've been in sexless marriages or who who don't really feel that sex is that important to them anymore, or there have been some major changes for them or even minor changes. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be major. But And most women really don't know very much about menopause and it, how it actually affects their sex hormones and their sexuality. And so they get to... I, I even have examples in the book of how to speak with their sex partners. Um, and so... They hand it to them. Their partners can do it on their own. Parts of it are meant to be done together. And so to figure out where the changes are and the next steps to take. And some of the questions um, I have people fill out are are things that you don't even really have to be going through menopause. Um, it would be for a- anyone it, to find out, you know, what behaviors do you like um, that are t- what I would call triggers to get you to the next step of sexual arousal or sexual desire and behaviors? You know, what kind of behaviors you would absolutely never, ever do? Do not ask me to do these. Or these are behaviors think about I'll do once and then I'll reconsider and other behaviors are of course I would love to do this and what amazes me when I have people who come to my office fill these out it is astounding how many women say oh my goodness my husband said he's been wanting to do this forever but he was too afraid to ask me and I love it I mean, people don't unfortunately communicate. They just figure their partner knows. They mm-hmm. should guess. Yes, right. It's so true. Uh, people don't talk openly about it. I'd like to also, if we could, uh, speak to what you speak about in terms of the ageless sex philosophy. Can you talk about that? Oh, yes. Um, so my ageless sex philosophy basically um, is the expression of intimacy, we express our intimacy through sexuality. Um, but as you age, you have to take into consideration emotional needs, your aging body, your partner's aging body, the health challenges of both of you. Um, because if you disregard that and you want that 20-year-old body and you keep comparing you're going to be very disappointed. I mean, I liken it to going to a health club and expecting your body to pick up those weights as if if you did it, let's say, in your 20s, um, as if you were in your 20s. And you'd be really disappointed because your body isn't there anymore. Your body has changed. And especially through menopause, and by the way, 
I believe that men go through andropause, which is very similar. Of course, they don't have a period. They don't menstruate. But theirs is much more gradual. And so you have men who equate, and women too, um, being sexual as a performance. And you really have to throw that out, that out the window because you'll, you'll be extremely disappointed. And men in their mid-40s, their penises are not reliable anymore. Um, and that's when it really starts, and it slowly gets um, changes as they get older. Um, and unfortunately for men, when that happens quite often, um, they just stop having sex. I mean, to them, it's like if I can't be hard and I can't have intercourse, I don't want to go there. And women are at this loss of, so what do I do? And so within my book, I talk about how to handle that. Um, and also women, um, they don't get orgasms and have orgasms the way they have in the past. For some women, it feels like it has totally disappeared. For other women, it just changes. And they, and they don't know how to create that same sensation they had when they were in their 20s, because they're they're wanting to go there. And what's nice, and I, I try to find the silver lining and everything, or even the gold lining for women, um, is that it might take longer to have that orgasm. But in the end, it might be an actual stronger orgasm, sometimes, not, not all the time. Um, and sometimes that period before for orgasm, that riding the edge lasts a much longer time and is very intense. And for some women, you know, I tell men, don't ask women, did you come yet? Because for some women, they have no idea whether they did or not. It has lasted so long that those sensations of orgasm may not create what they call um, the actual orgasm for them is not what is the sexual pleasure part of it. It is the riding of the edge. In fact, for them, once they have the orgasm, it's over. Um, right. And they would prefer it to last. Yes. What would you say, um, uh, bef we only have to, a few more minutes left, that you want us, haven't said already that you think it's important for our listeners to know about your work? Oh, boy. I didn't realize this was going to be so short. It I wanted fast. to say everything. Yeah. <laughs> it goes fast. Oh, it does. Um, let me think very quickly. Conscious coupling. And that is, I, I talk about my philosophy, which breaks down into three concepts. The authentic sex life, which recognizes and honors how an individual feels about their sexuality and they consciously act on it. Um, it's also made up of the personal path to pleasure, which is a person's pattern and style of creating sexual pleasure with their body. That is, it's going to be forever changing. It's never going to be the same. And to do this either with a partner or solo 
and conscious coupling, which is living within that authentic sex life within a relationship and taking into consideration everybody's needs. And by the way, this might mean not expressing yourself sexually. And I talk about that in the book. And um, I'm sure there are a lot of sexologists who are red flagging that comment. But I know a lot, I shouldn't say a lot, a fair number of couples who live without expressing themselves sexually. They have worked out how everybody gets satisfied with that. Um, and they have wonderful relationships. That is a great explanation. I really appreciate everything you've shared with uh, us today. And all this information is is super helpful, especially around women's sexuality, which is still less known than male sexuality. So these these podcasts and your books are very important. And speaking of which, how can people find you? How can people find your book? They can go to my website, which is my name, SusannaMayer.com. And that's spelled S U S. A-N-A, Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R.com, and that's one word. Um, and they can also email me, Susanna Mayer, and then the numerical number three at gmail.com, because they can purchase a book through me, or they can go um, to bookshop.org or Amazon. That's great to know. Thank you, Dr. Susanna. I really appreciate you being here. And for those of you listening, if you liked the show, please feel free to go online and um, rate it and let other people know that you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to continue to hear more of my podcasts, it's called Smart Sex, Smart Love, and you can find it on jokecourt.com and um, Apple and SoundCloud and um, all other places that host podcasts. And if you want to follow me, you can go either follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Dr. Joe Kaur. That's D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T. Thanks for listening and until next time.